Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said, fight. You can't fight. He said, withstand. You can't withstand. He said, stand. What does it mean to stand? He said, don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I, I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we've got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast for us, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome to the uh, Fundamental Baptist Podcast. We're glad that you're here. I have a special guest with me, a great friend of mine named David Hiles. He's been on before. He runs a ministry called Fallen in Grace, trying to help pastors, preachers, Christians when they fall to be restored. We've had him on before and had some great podcasts, and there's a lot of interest in restoration, and we're glad for that. We need to restore the fallen. Um, They say the Christian army is the only army that shoots their wounded. We shouldn't. We want to patch them up so they can serve the Lord again. So, Dave, good to have you. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, you saw the uh, topic there. This is going to be an interesting one. And for probably over a year, I've asked Brother Dave about doing this podcast. And uh, I've said it's important. It's needy. um, It's needful. We need the truth and the information out. And Brother Dave has finally agreed to to do this podcast. So Brother Dave, uh, tell me um, why you've agreed to do it. And then the, the groundwork, the principles that you've laid for this podcast. I agreed to do it um, because I felt like that that people needed to hear. I know there are going to be four different groups of people that listen to this podcast. And I think three of those groups are the ones that I felt needed to hear an answer. Group number one are the people who hate my dad, hate everything he stands for. And they're, they're just looking for things. So anything anyone accuses of him of, they're going to believe. This isn't for you people, okay? Just have fun with this and clip it, do what you want, because quite frankly, I don't care because I'm just going to give you my answers. The This isn't for you, but it's for your fun and your pleasure. Have a good time. Secondly, it's going to be for the people who they just don't know. They don't know. They've been swayed. I hear young preachers that accuse my dad of things that they've heard from, apparently from the podcast. Let me clarify. I've never watched TED Talk. I I never have even watched a minute of Linda's TED Talk. I've had people ask me questions that was on there and I didn't answer. 
I've had people make uh, uh, quote things, but there are people out there. I, a young pastor, I remember, wrote me and said, your dad did this, this. Well, where'd you get that? TED Talk. Okay, for him, at least you'll know the truth. You may not care, but at least you know. The third group of people are the ones I really, really want to address. And those are the people who love or loved my dad. And it, it threw them. Why would Linda do this? What uh, is that true? Uh, it, this is for you. I want to help clarify your mind a little. I want to put you at peace. I don't want you to have to live with that. And the last group is the future generations. I, I don't know when the Lord's going to return, but if he tarries, there, there are many things that we're sharing uh, about my dad out there today that need to be out there. And so I want future generations to hear both sides from a daughter and a son who have opposite sides in the uh, in this matter. When I agreed to do it, and by the way, I don't want to do this. This isn't something I, I lined up to do. I could have done it years ago. Um, but I, I made several ground rules with you and decisions about this. Number one, I am not here to attack my sister, Linda. I love Linda. I have always loved Linda. And I don't want to hurt Linda. And I don't want my friends to hurt Linda. So I want you to understand if Linda is hurting and you can help her, please do, because I'm not her enemy and I love her. This isn't going to be an attack on her character. The second thing I want you to know is I'm speaking for me. I'm not speaking for anyone else. I could cite my mother. I could cite many people, but I'm going to cite myself and I'm going to give what I believe is enough credibility for you to realize that there's another side of this, this story. Thirdly, I'm not here to defend myself. Uh, I don't care what Linda says about me. Doesn't matter. Uh, I'm a sinner. I don't need de defending. Jesus did took care of all that on the cross. I'm not here to defend me. I'm here to defend my father. And finally, this is my only response. So if you want to interrogate me, this is it. Use this because I'm not going to do it again. Then finally, I, I began to think about why you should listen to me and hear out what I have to say. I'm going to give you four reasons. Number one, because the just thing to do is to hear the other side. It's not just to hear one side. The um, prosecuting attorney isn't the only one that gets to speak. The defense attorney does too. So I'm here as somewhat of a defense attorney. Secondly, because the truth will set you free. I, I, you, you should know the truth. And you may not know the truth. I don't think you do know the truth if you believe the things, the lies against my, my dad. Number three is because I'm another eyewitness. I grew up in Jack Hiles' home too. I saw what it was like too. I went to First Baptist Church too. I was on staff too. So I'm an eyewitness. And finally, the last reason is because the burden of proof is on the accuser. And I think when I'm done today as a, as a witness for my dad, you're going to find out that the accuser has not accomplished the purpose of burden of proof, has, has not fulfilled the burden of proof, proof, proof. Don't forget that word, proof. And so I decided to do this against my against what I want to do. I, I don't know the repercussions that I'm going to get. I guess it'll be pretty much the same as I always get. But I hope I bless somebody today. I hope somebody is put at peace today. I hope somebody 
can say, wow, I needed to hear those things today. So here we go. Let's do it. By the way, I was a little surprised at how few accusations that she made against dad. When you sent me the list, having not seen it, I was like, is that it? That's all? Okay. Well, interesting. Uh, those are great. And I appreciate you being willing to do this. And yes, it's so unjust. The haters that are out there that just look for things don't care about truth, don't care about the proof of that. Anyone makes an accusation, they're going to use it to try to beat your dad up and spread it. Um, I think it is very good that people who truly want to know the truth can hear it and hear the other side. This is the reason why I wanted to do this. Um, <laughs> Dr. Jack Hobbs was my pastor. First Baptist was the first independent Baptist church I was ever a member of. I could be a security guard for him at his house. I got to see him every week personally and walk him to the door and talk with them. I've driven him in my car. I've counseled with him. And so many times through the years of 35 years of ministry that I have, um, I have gone back to something that he taught that was so good and life-changing. And I've gone to God and said, God, thank you for the training. When people have asked a question, I've been able to help them. Where did you learn that? I had good teachers, <laughs> Dr. Jack Hiles. The world needs him. The world needs his books. They need his preaching. They need his philosophy. They need his mind. They need his heart. They need his passion. And the devil knows that. So he has used, in my opinion, Linda, to be able to put an attack on dad, on Dr. Hiles, that people, well, that's a daughter. It must be true, and many believe it without looking into it or having proof. So what I wanted this for is to be able to hear the other side to say, you know what? Hey, what they said isn't true, and I do need to find the truth, and and we need Jack Hiles. We really do. This country's in a mess, um, but the principles and philosophies and sermons and books need to be done again. I was amazed. Uh, I saw found two videos. One had 93,000 views. The other had 73,000 views. And I read a lot of the comments, and people are just idiot, idiots, not even having a clue, but automatically believing and going on into it because someone said it. So that's why I wanted this done. So, all right, here we go. Uh, jump into this so before you start by the way i hope that everyone listening watch this a couple of times and listen carefully to what is said we prayed before we went on so this has not been this this has been bathed i, I i've been praying about this for a long time so this has been bathed in prayer i hope that right now you'll say a word of prayer to yourself to, to your god mm. by yourself and just say lord help me to, to accept this because you might be so far away from what's just and right, and God demands justice and mercy. Please, don't be foolhardy about this. I, I don't read accusations against anybody for the very reason that I don't want to have to make a judgment in my own heart as to whether they're innocent or guilty. So I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. All right, let's just jump in. So she said, your dad owned most of the city where the church was, that he owned a college, two high schools, a cemetery, a grade school, and lots of buildings. She said he was very wealthy, died a multimillionaire, but left it all to the organization and the kids got nothing. Okay. Well, let's start with um, everything that deals with real estate has documentation and it's very easy to find that documentation. If my dad owned most of Hammond, what part of Hammond did he own? What neighborhoods, what streets, what buildings? See, here's what I would challenge the enemies to do for me, okay? Would you please do your homework and go get all the public records, find all the things my dad owned, Baptist City, the college, everything, find, there, you can do it. I'm sure that there are people there in Hammond, even there that were that are at the church, that would help you. 
Okay. So my challenge to you is prove it. Prove it. Now, the credibility of the accuser is gone if you can't, because if they lie about one thing, then they, how do you trust anything? So my dad didn't own any of the buildings, not one, zero. He did not own Baptist City. He didn't own the college. My dad was not wealthy. I know exactly how much money he had when he died. Do you know how I know? Because I'm the one that advised my mother as to how to handle it. We went to a financial advisor together. I'll not give his name. I could. We sat down with him and we let him help my mother do what was best for her with that money. Now, I don't, I, I can't speak for Linda. I didn't want any money. My sisters, I don't, I don't know if anyone else did, but I didn't. I didn't expect any. All I wanted was for my mother to be cared for. And may I say this? She was not a millionaire when my dad died. She did not have even anywhere near a million dollars. But she had enough to where she could live comfortably. And to give credit to Pastor Wilkerson, he had continued to make sure, by the way, Pastor Wilkerson, pastor of First Baptist Church in Hammond, he continued to make sure that what my dad was promised mom would get, she got until the day she died. And I, I appreciate that greatly. So no, that I just want somebody to prove it. I don't think that I have to answer that question with an answer that says, no, he didn't, though I will say, of course he didn't. That's the stupidest thing you'll ever hear. And if you believe it, it's because you want to believe it. But he didn't. Did I answer that okay? No, that is amazing. And like you said, that's provable. Those are public records. You can find the titles of buildings and find the title all the way back, who owned them, how long they owned them, what the property, what it was worth and all that. And to say that is just so disingenuous. And like you said, that takes the credibility of the witness totally out. That is something provable. Some things we're going to answer here. Uh, somebody says it's true. Someone says it's not true. And you really have a hard time proving some of those things. But by looking at her making that statement, we know that's not true. Um, your dad did not own that. Um, the church did, and he was a pastor of the church. So uh, she also said that the money was pretty nice. She lived, uh, um, the money he made was pretty nice and created a lavish lifestyle for your family. So explain this multi-million dollar house that you guys grew up in and the salary and, and this extravagant lifestyle that you guys had. I challenge you to drive by 8232 Greenwood, Munster, Indiana. I challenge you to drive by there. It's the only house I ever lived in from the time I was five years old and up. When my dad, and when we moved to Hammond in 1959, they had just built that as a parsonage for Pastor Owen, the predecessor of my dad. Pastor Owen never lived in that house. He actually retired, or I'm sorry, resigned, took another church before that house was finished. And so when we moved to Hammond, that became our house. Yeah, it, it, it was a big house to us. I mean, it, it was big. But... Um, my dad didn't choose that house. It was chosen for him. Later, the church agreed to allow him to purchase it. And I can't tell you the exact price. It was in the $30,000 range of some type. The house was never valued as a million-dollar house. Wasn't even close. When my dad and mom decided, 
I think it was in 2000, I'm sorry, 1999, they decided to sell the house. They'd paid it off already and buy a condominium. They were able to pay cash for the condominium. The condo was probably about 250,000 and they had enough from the sale of the house to purchase that condominium. It was a nice condominium, not lush, but nice. So dad was very good with money. He was very wise with money. A lavish lifestyle is very interesting. I, I We had a nice lifestyle. I'll never say we didn't. God was very good. He blessed us. But lavish is an interesting word. I'm, they Over the years, did dad save money enough to where he could buy my mother nicer things? Yes. But to say it was lavish, any of my friends that came over to see us could tell you we didn't live a, a lavish lifestyle. We didn't have maids and butlers, and and uh, we did have mission men that came over and mowed the lawn. My dad loved those guys. They were his buddies. And, uh, you know, we just were people. And if you go to 82, now I'll say it again, 8232 Greenwood, look up the records of what its value was up until 1999. And you will see that it was a middle, maybe upper middle class house, about 3,000 square feet. A tri-level, had a big basement. Uh, I, we were blessed. We had a nice house. But my dad appreciated it. And he never, never sought after it. Let me tell you an interesting thing about my dad. I never one time saw my dad drive around looking at houses and wanting one. I never mm. saw my dad one time say, I like that car. I wish I could have that. Dad was not a things person. Dad was a people person. Wow. Well, the neat thing about records is, and especially with the internet today, so while you're talking, I pulled up 8232 Greenwood in Munster, Indiana, uh, Munster Avenue, sorry, Greenwood uh, Avenue in Munster, Indiana. Um, by the way, I had a Chicago Tribune paper route in that area, so I was there almost every morning. And uh, when you said it was a big house, here's the square footage of the house, okay? You ready? By the way, this wasn't the house he picked. It was a parsonage they built, and he had to move into it. That was that was his house. Um, square footage, two. 1,468 square feet. Interesting. That's that's the square footage. You can pull it up, look it up. The picture, picture right there. That's the house. Um, four bedrooms, three bathrooms, 2,468 square feet. Today, Zillow has a Zestimate, which you know, those are not always accurate, but um, $381,000 today in today's market, okay? But you can go down to price and tax history and go back to, it sold June 11th, 1999 for $214,900. <laughs> <laughs> and that's public record. Oh no, lavish. a lavish lifestyle. Uh, must be nice. A twenty-five hundred square foot house that sold for two hundred fourteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Again, proof. Okay. Um, the the accuser is the one that the proof is on. We're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. But you can even prove that it wasn't lavish. That was the house they lived in the whole time you guys lived there and were growing up. So for all the just people. I don't even need to answer any more questions because the credibility of all the accusations now are worthless because these two have already been disproved or haven't been proved. But let's go on because it's fun and we no, need to. That's good. So, um, all right, his salary, book sales, and honorarium. The people say, okay, well, he made millions and millions of dollars on his books and his speaking engagements. And, and what was his salary? What did he do with all that? Well, first of all, his salary was always low and it was too low because they had to raise it just to keep him a couple of dollars ahead of the assistant pastors who he didn't want them to uh, to starve to death. So he never had, and you can go back, by the way, go back to the minutes. There's no secrets. There was never any hidden, hidden secrets. 
And so, so go back and check it out. You'll also find that House Publications did not pay my dad. House Publications, and, and we will tell you this because when my dad died, do you know where House Publications went? It went to First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, not us. We had no say. We had no say. Now, I now control all of his books, and we, uh, I and someone else have, have, have got all of those. But I'm going to tell you right now, we're not making millions of dollars. In fact, we're losing money because we're trying to keep them alive. But he, House Publications um, was, was basically a hand-to-mouth type organization because Dad gave everything away. And I just need somebody to show me records that prove he had this wealth. Where was it? House Publications did not make him wealthy. Did he get nice honora honorariums? Uh, yeah, average, but he didn't go for that. And it was all reported. And by the way, if you really want, go find his tax returns. Go find his tax records. Find out what, I saw the final tax uh, records of, of the, the final year of his life. I, I have them somewhere in my files, okay? Uh, he didn't make that much money and he didn't have to finagle to show that he didn't make that much money because there was no personal income that came from house publications to him. Could he allocate it to help other people? Yes. And thousands of people would step forward. By the way, interesting, way more people, far more people, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people will tell you what he gave them. But you'll find very few people that can show you one ounce of evidence of what he kept. I was amazed. Uh, he didn't own a car the whole time I was there and worked with him. He drove literally this little station wagon. It was the church mail wagon where they'd go pick up the mail. And that's what he drove back and forth to the church. And uh, you think about what he could have had. Um, it, it didn't matter. And no. people said, wow, you're so you're so unselfish. You give all this away. He goes, no, I just learned that I have more fun giving it away than spending it all myself or keeping it. Um, but Dave, I was in... Um, church one time on a Sunday night and your dad was being attacked horribly. And, and he said, I've never done this before, but I want to do something just to be able to, to show what I've done with my money. He said, if I have ever given you personally any money, would, would you mind just standing? <laughs> and I was there like, I'm the only one sitting down. Where was I at? I mean, literally just thousands of people stood up and he said, thank you. And he had him sit back down. It was just amazing to be able to see the heart and giving of what he did. And then to be accused of being a multimillionaire and, and, um, and owning all this and controlling it, just, it's just sad. And if you don't know him or if you don't know this background, oh, okay, well, the daughter says, I guess that's true. And it's just not. Access to wealth. Access to wealth is not an indictment. Access to wealth is not an indictment. I have a friend that was interviewed by Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, personally interviewed by him. He had concrete floors in his office. He had a metal desk in his office. He drove a beat up pickup truck. Access to wealth does not mean you squandered money. My dad had access to money, but my dad never took advantage of it. So, all right, next. I was amazed. Just last thing on that. How many times we've heard your dad talk about testimony stories of someone that came in with that acne and he paid the doctor for treatment. Someone came in and needed braces and he paid. He, he had to go get a loan to be able to pay that and pay that off. I don't know how many times I've heard in sermons your dad talk about that. He would go get a little personal loan and then pay that off to be able to help someone out. He wasn't independent, uh, even just his. Okay. Um, Linda said your dad took a great church and turned it into a 50,000 member cult. So was first 
Baptist of Hammond a cult? The definition of a cult has been really gone, gone lost its meaning. Uh, First Baptist Church was, from the time my dad started to the time he finished, it was a church that preached the truth of the gospel. It was built on the truth of Christ. It was not built on some harebrained doctrine that was not orthodox in, in its belief. Now, what once was not, what once was or, orthodox perhaps isn't today because we've changed so much. But Hammond, First Baptist, anyone that's big, anyone that people hate, anyone that has a strong personality is going to be accused of, of being a cult leader. I'd like to, I'd like for someone to prove what a cult is and then prove that First Baptist fit into it. My dad built a great church by winning souls. People came to Christ. Their lives were changed. Of course, there's the easy believism crowd that wants to believe everything my sister said because they didn't see the thousands of changed lives that soul winning wrought by the work of the Holy Spirit in those people's lives. So you weren't there. You didn't see it. You just heard stories that you can't explain away by any other means but to call my dad a cult leader. So have fun with it. But there is absolutely no bearing uh, on, on that having any truth whatsoever. Amazing. The, the simple truth of a religious cult is it's a religion that does not believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. That's a religious cult. <laughs> First Baptist family, there's no way in the world you could claim that. A strong personality, built a great ministry, and but how? It was just that. I love the way your dad explained it. Well, how's how did you build this great church? Well, I moved here and I met someone that had a need and I helped him. And he had a friend that had a need and I helped him. And he had a friend that had a need and I helped him. You do that for 40 years, guess what? You build a church. What a great thing. Um, all right. So was every member, she said, every member was in complete obedience to her father, um, so much so they were not allowed to go on vacation without his permission. Ask the members. <laughs> ask every member. Um, his staff needed to ask him, and they pretty much could have it anytime they asked for it because he was that kind of a man. Let me let me help you with this. Um, people people make decisions and they don't always have confidence in their decisions. So they want someone with wisdom who will help them make the right decision. For example, buying a house, buying a car. Some, not close to all. Please understand, she, she contradicted herself right there. 50,000 people would have had to ask my dad for permission for everything. You can't control 50,000 people unless you have a, a, a mafia thing going on. So then you got to accuse Johnny Colston. You got to accuse all of these people. The thing is, they would come to him some, a, a small percentage, and ask him, Brother House, what do you think? And my dad sometimes would drive by a house that they were looking at, and he would say, I think it's a good deal. I, I like it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, what about this car? He'd say, well, tell me what's your, what's your budget? Okay, I think that's good. No, I think that may not be good. He never said no. He never said yes. He gave advice. My dad said to me one time, the power of influence is far greater than the power of control. Mm. You want to influence people. And he said, I don't want to control anyone. I want to influence as many people as I can for the good of Christ. So there's no proof of that. Again, we go back to the same thing. 
where's the proof that all 50,000 of these members had to go to my dad to get permission for anything? There is no evidence for that. So now we've gone through all of this. We have no evidence yet. Now, if you want to get the evidence, bring it on. Bring it to Brother Baker. But the fact of the matter is you can't, you won't, because it doesn't matter to some of you. But for those of you who've been really struggling with what you've heard, there's no credibility behind these accusations, okay? All right, let's go to the next one. Now, I remember I I was a member. I had to go to Brother Howes about... Uh... I went to him on to ask his advice on coming down here to start a church in Tennessee. And uh, I was security guard. I was first in line. He had just prayed. Okay, Brother Baker, how can, or Brother Dave, how can I help you? And uh, I told him my thought. And he said, yep, I think you ought to go. I said, great. And I plan on going in six months. And he said, no, I think you ought to go now. And I started to try to defend why I don't think I should go now. And he said, well, I'd go now. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> That was it. Open the door. I was. He was done. He gave me advice. Didn't tell me what to do. Uh, in my mind, I argued with him for about a week. I said, you know what? I need to do that. And I did. And I'm so thankful. It was advice. That's all that it was. And boy, how simple people come say, hey, pastor, down at this tote the note place, I can get a car and it's only this much a week. And it's like, whoa. And you realize that's a junkie car that isn't going to last the term of the note. They're charging them 25 to 29% interest. And to help them say, hey, before you do that, why don't you do this? Look on Craigslist at the time or Facebook Marketplace in nice neighborhoods and find someone who's selling their used car because they just bought a new one. You can get a good car that's been taken care of well, way cheaper, and it's going to last you the whole time where this one is not. Are you trying to control anybody? No, you just want to influence and help them. What a what a what a good thing that is. All right. Um, she said people would have drank the Kool-Aid if told to, meaning they would have committed suicide if Jack House told them to. What an insult. To, to people, uh, what what a what an insult! I, I I there are some brilliant, wonderful people at First Baptist in Hammond, Indiana, and these people they they scrutinized right and wrong. They followed my dad because my dad preached the truth. I mean, you anybody can say that. There again, what what is what kind of accusation that wouldn't even be allowed in a court of law? Yeah. Can I just say that accusation? could not, the judge would say, strike that. It is your speculative opinion. And a speculative opinion based upon prejudice and a predetermined um, agenda, it's not going to work. So that's that one is one of those, again, so many of these, when I read them, I'm like, really? People turned on my dad because of this stuff? I don't get it. It's funny. You know how your dad loves sarcasm. We love it. I joke and say sarcasm is my love language. Um, and your dad was great with that. I don't remember who it was, but some reporter or somebody asked one of the assistant pastors, you know, if Jack House told you to go jump off a bridge, would you do it? He goes, which bridge did he want me to jump off of? You know, in sarcasm, but you know how people are going to take that and think, oh, you're brainwashed cult, you know? No, there's people who do have humor and laugh about some things, which is just asinine to think that somebody would really do that, especially if they knew Brother Hiles. He would never ask that. Anyone would ever think of that. All right. She said your dad lived a double life from a family man and a speaker to someone who had multiple affairs and a mistress that he built a house for close to yours. All right. So let's go back to the same thing. The burden of proof, the burden of evidence. Okay. Who are these mistresses? Where are they? I mean, I, I mean, they you would think they'd be lining up to get their share of that multi multi million dollars of money 
that he had. The fact of the matter is one woman who didn't accuse my dad, but who's been called a mistress by pastors who are watching this right now, preachers have referred to a lady you know nothing about other than accusations that make you want to hurt Jack Hiles. And you called her his mistress. You are no better than the Pharisees that brought the woman to, to Jesus. You're no better because you are making an accusation you have absolutely no right to make. She's a human being, a good woman, I might add. One that my mother loved and respected until the day my mother died. And I am speaking for my mother. Okay, that's one of the exceptions. See, that's, that's cruel. That's cruel. No woman accused my dad. Multiple mistresses, bring them on, bring them on. And by the way, it, it, you know, everyone accuses today and they, and, and, and they come out of the woodwork, but they didn't come out of the woodwork. Why? Why didn't they? It would have been easy for them to fire my dad. They would have. They would have fired my dad. My dad stood before the deacon board and answered for the accusations made by the husband of that woman. Okay. And, and he answered for them. And he answered in a way, they were good men. They wouldn't have let him stay. They weren't foolish men. You're, you're disrespecting every, I don't know how anybody that ever attended First Baptist in Hammond could listen to that without getting angry, not at my dad, but at the accuser. So right. he didn't live a double, he lived a Christian life. Perfect? No, but, but godly. Listen carefully. My dad, stated, I have only been with one woman my entire life, and no one has ever proved differently, nor have they had enough evidence to indict him. I know that's the truth. I watched, listen, I'm sorry to say, I'm, I was closer to my dad than Linda, not closer in a of a, a child sense, but closer because I, I was a boy, and and I and I drove home with him every night until I was like sixteen years old. Every night, Sunday night and Wednesday night after church, I, I was there as the last person there with him when he left. I think I would have seen that double life, and it doesn't it doesn't help me. To, to defend him, other than the fact that he's my father, and I want to honor him. Let me throw that little point in, by the way. The Bible doesn't say, honor thy father and thy mother, unless you think there's something wrong with them. So I just want to throw that little thing in. No, that's good. It is amazing that through 50 years of ministry, not one woman ever accused him of being no. with them, not one. No. And when he was asked, he said it just like you said, I've been with one woman my whole life, the mother of my children. And they criticized him for that answer. I'm mean, like, how, how more clear can you be? I've been with one woman, the mother of my children. That's it. And um, it, it's just, it's sad that you take a good man, a moral man, and you trash him. And, and so many people, oh, it's been said like Hitler, tell a lie loud enough, long enough, people believe it. It's amazing how many people believe this, but yet not one woman ever ever had accused. It's funny. I don't know if you can answer this, but no, you can, but it, it's, they compare Dr. Robertson. So, oh, he was never accused with Jacques Heil. That was, that was, you know, da, 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 da. But you know, what man has not been accused of something yeah. like that? And that's not true either. And, and it's, it's not at all true. Um, the difference, the difference is, is the, the level of hatred that people have to destroy someone 
And they had that higher level of hatred. That's why Donald Trump is always attacked. And I'm not trying to defend Donald Trump with this, but the fact of the matter is he's hated so much. But who hates it? The liberals do. Who hates my dad? Atheists. And you know what's interesting? There are, there are men, there are people that will listen to this, and you'll listen to two atheists that are out there spout, spouting out lies about, or I will say, I'll just say accusations, hatred. And you'll listen to everything they say over what I'm saying. I, 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 and over what many other good men who knew him best have said. So, abs- I mean, yeah. absolutely. All right, next um, thing. So she said that he, your dad, hated your mom, and he got all the kids to hate her also. Oh, I didn't hate her. You didn't get me. Becky didn't hate her. They were very close. Didn't get her. Cindy didn't hate her. Didn't get her. Okay. Hmm. I would you? I'd like to see the written statement from my other sisters stating they hated my mom. I never hated my mom. I loved my mother. I can't even tell you how much I loved my mother. From the time I was a tiny boy, I adored my mother. To the day she died, I adored her. And my dad, I can't tell you how many times my dad called me and bragged on my mom to me and told me what an amazing lady mom was. I, I, I can't tell you. When my mom died, you should have been at the funeral and heard those children who hate her talk about her. We talked about her with great love and care. I talked to my sister Becky every once in a while, and we, we kind of cry together in our milk uh, because we, still, we so miss her, and we loved her so much. And I saw them together at the, and watched them, and their love grew. Again, the evidence does not back up that accusation. Almost done. A couple more. But um, so she said she felt like she had one job as a child to keep all the secrets of what went on in your home. She didn't do it very well if that was her one job. Uh, I I think I think that's kind of everybody's home in in a way. And now when I say that, that was never said to us. My dad never tried to hide anything. He never said to us. Um, don't talk about that. For one thing, we didn't live a double life. My dad didn't watch things on television that he preached against. My dad didn't watch movies. See, this is interesting. Um, my dad's my dad's consistency at home was almost a burden to us at times. It was almost a burden. The burden wasn't covering up his inconsistencies. The burden was living with living with his consistencies. That's a tough one. When you have a dad who won't let you watch a movie because it was made in Hollywood, won't watch it, watch television programs because there's something that I can't tell you. Now, was that me? Does that mean there weren't that, that there was perfection? Well, that's kind of stupid, right? I mean, we we all know that isn't the case. Uh, never felt one time I was having to cover up for my dad. Uh, I'm sorry she feels that way. I really am. I I, I grieve that she came to the point where she felt like that's how she lived her life. But I don't, uh, I didn't feel that way once, never. And I, there's no, again, it's an accusation from, from an opinion. Again, it wouldn't go in a court of law, wouldn't stand up. It's a slanderous uh, accusation that can't be, it's like you can't, you can't uh, 
catch air. I mean, I'm going to catch myself a handful of air. Well, I can't, you can't. It's just, it's not there. So that accusation is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, the last one, and by the way, I listened, I took notes through this whole thing. This was um, the best I could get out of this. But she said, even as an adult, he owned the kids, he owned their cars, he owned their homes, he owned their furniture, and he owned their lives. All right, put put up the proof. I'd like to see the proof. Um, it, Linda's first husband, I won't mention his name, um, but he was on, um, he was an administrator and maybe he, he might've had a house allowance or a house. Uh, I don't know the, I don't know the story on that. Um, other than that, I, I can tell you right now, my, my oldest sister and her husband have owned everything that they've had over the years. I've owned what I have uh, over the years. Um, I mean, go ahead, get the records. Tell, tell you what, tell her to get the records that show cars houses and furniture that we had that were in his name. Again, if you can't produce the evidence, then the accusation is not valid. But I, I, I can tell you personally, there is absolutely no truth to that statement. And there's no proof of that being true. Yeah. It's amazing. So, you know, if he was on staff and he had a housing allowance or if he had a staff car, great. That's a that's a perk that came with the job. And uh, other people had that, too. Um, and if he did help somebody with a car, it's you say thank you, not try to use it to bash somebody that they're trying to control you. They're trying to help you and be a blessing to you. Um, it was very sad. And I know you've done great not to, down here, and I hope I won't do too bad, but just listening to it, not knowing her at all, but do knowing your dad. Um, it looked to me like somebody that was bitter, upset, that financially they did not get what they thought they deserved. And it was uh, more of a um, jilted lover type thing. As far as a child, I want this for my parents that didn't get it. When you hear that, there were so many things that were said that were selfish. And again, you look at the things, it's just not true. Um, the things that, uh, the things that happened. So, um, it's sad that in our world, we like to listen to negative. We like to believe negative. Uh, we like the salacious and <laughs> you tell a lie, it'll go around quicker than the truth. Uh, I'm sure we won't have 93,000 views on this, but uh, hopefully there's some people that are real and true that can say, you know what? I had problems with it when I read it. And by the way, there were, in a, there were many people that had wisdom that listened to it. And in the comments, they said, this is crazy. This is stupid. This can't be true. But it's sadly, there's a lot of people who did listen to it that I think it, it wrongly affected them. So um, in summary, anything you want to summarize? Yeah, let me say this. Um, why should I be believed? Um, you know, I, I know my credibility with, with many people isn't good. I understand that. You don't know me now. You know what you've heard. Um, you know what you you experienced years ago, maybe, or, or think you experienced, or think you, 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 I don't know. I'm not here to defend my credibility or myself, but I am here to question the credibility of the accuser. And I am, I am, I think that's important. The question is what credibility do, do, do does, does the accuser have? Do, does their credibility work stand up to scrutiny? See, if there is no 
credible accusation, there need not be any credible defense. Now, don't forget that. I just made that up, okay? But it's the truth. If there is no credible accusation, then there need not be any credible defense, unless you believe slander. Then, then, then it's, it doesn't matter because you want hate and vileness. You want it. You want to believe it. I personally don't. If my, if the football team I hate the most has a quarterback accused of being with 40 women, I don't want it to be true. I don't want him to be guilty. I don't like that. To me, there's just too much accusation that just is everywhere in our world today. And I want to miss, I want to just say this in, in summary to all of you who are listening, who aren't haters. So haters, go away. Think about this for a second, okay? Be spiritual. Think about this. Why is it important for you to believe something or even to have to make a decision about it? You don't know who's guilty. Why do you need to? Why don't you look at the whole of the man's life, what God did with him? I'm going to make you a challenge. Go to, go to Jack Howell's library, jackhowellslibrary.com, and start listening to his sermons. Now, they're not like sermons today, but neither were the guys you liked, like Dale Moody and Billy Sunday or Sam Jones. They, they're not like today. I wish they were, but they're not. Listen to it listen to the heart of Jack Hiles, not the accusations against Jack Hiles. Get the other side. I think there are a lot of uh, good people that have mistakenly allowed themselves to be influenced. I don't think you're bad. I think you're, you're, you're not being just. And, and it's, it's not, it, it's going to hurt you. And it's going to hurt your kids because you're not teaching them how to be just. And in this unjust world that we live in, we need to, to we need a lot more justice and we need to show it to our children. I believe, by the way, I say again, Linda, I love you. I'm sure you'll see this. I'm pretty sure you'll see it. I love you. I really do. I, I wish you'd call me and say, can we just get together and have a meal? I've seen you twice in the last 23, 24 years. I've seen you twice. And I, I saw you at dad's funeral. You came. I remember. And I saw you at mom's funeral. You were there. And that's the only two times I've seen you. And you were hurting. I, I do believe. And especially, I think you were hurting with mom. I think you'd already drawn the line with dad long before. But Linda, I love you. I really do. I didn't want to do this because I don't want to hurt you. What it does to me doesn't matter. What it does to you matters a lot. But I love you. I'm your brother. And I'd love for you and I to make reconciliation before one of us are gone. That's my last words. Thank Amen. you. Amen. It's amazing. Just the summary, you know, you mentioned that's so good. And boy, maybe God would take some good and make some good out of this. In law, there's what's called a summary judgment. 
and it's a decision made based on statements and evidence without going to trial. Uh, the judge listens to the summary of it and then makes a decision. Um, and you can definitely do that by this, by the evidence that's been there. There's also, it's caused where it's dismissed, the court throws the case out if the evidence is weak or insufficient. And if you're looking at this, we've made some legal terms of references in this. I think that is exactly what you'd have to do is make a summary judgment or to throw the case out because there's weak or insufficient evidence. And again, the testimony, you can tell Dr. House didn't own half of Hammond. The testimony was not true and honest. So, Brother Dave, thank you. I hope you don't get too much blowback by this. I'm sure some people are salivating after listening to this going, wow, we're going to have fun with this and uh, let them have their fun, waste their life doing that. But by the way, listen to the people that are doing that. You know, see how many are atheists or agnostics, see how many people are true, sincere Christians, winning souls, helping people, changing lives, who spend their time trying to destroy people. They don't. Those people are trying to help people. Uh, the people that are trying to destroy people are living a, a totally different life. So thank you for listening and um, for giving us a chance to try to set the record straight concerning Dr. Howes. And my advice is to um, go read his books. Go listen to his sermons. Go to Jack Howes Library. Go get that information and say, you know what? We need to give this another look. Your dad's been gone 22 years. Is that right? 24. 20 no, i'm sorry 23 he he, he actually will this february 6th will be 23 years yeah so 22 and a half years uh he's been gone it's hard to believe how many people don't know him never met him haven't read and heard him and um i love when i was in bible college i forget the man's name you'll know him that heard bad things about dr house and so he got all of his sermons and sat down with a pen and paper and i'm going to listen to these and um write down all the heretical things that obviously he's saying he said i listened to i don't know hundreds of tapes hundreds of hours he got done and not one single thing was written on that piece of paper. And he said, okay, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm going to help. And he put together what a, a three set, six volume of sermons of your dad because of that. We have them and they're amazing, but it it, it is amazing. People hear stuff, but they don't check it out. And he took time to check it out. And I hope you will too. Let me just say the last, this last thing is a good, because that was a good point. I think it needs to be reiterated. Um. I don't ask everybody to agree with my dad doctrinally or theologically. I don't expect you to. I don't expect you to agree with his methods. I don't expect you to agree with how you think he promoted soul winning. I, I don't ask for that. I, I don't ask for you to, to agree with his style of preaching or for you to agree with his style of pastoring or for you to agree with his style of, of, of ministering. I, that, that's irrelevant to me. Here's what I ask you. Don't attack his character to prove your point. That's what society has gotten to today, where we use character assassination to win a whole different argument. Because the argument, first of all, he can't argue back. So you assassinate his character in order to silence his opinion. Hey, can't you have two opinions? I mean, you may be wrong about some things, too. Do you want someone assassinating your character so that they can prove your points are wrong? I think it's important. See, we're getting down to principles of what's wrong with listening to things like this TED Talk. So thanks for having me on. God bless. Awesome. Thank you for listening. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com.